Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman. Joining me in Hong Kong is Toby Doman. How are you, Toby? Hi, I'm very well. Nice to, have, uh, nice to see you again. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's good to have you back on the show. Great to be here. And joining us today from Beijing, he's sorry for being grumpy, Darren Burns. <laughs> I'm never sorry for being grumpy. Um, hi, everybody. So, Darren, I noticed you weren't in a hurry to schedule this podcast. Can't imagine why. <laughs> My intention was that I thought if we delayed it until today, then we might have some good news and we might have beaten you 2-0, beaten India anyway, 2-0 in the ODI <laughs> series. But that uh, hasn't eventuated, of course. So, um, I'm taking my medicine. Mm. <laughs> well, you know what they say, careless whispers can sink careers. Thanks, George and Michael. Yeah, indeed. We'll get to we'll get to that press conference later, and indeed some some spectacular press conferencing we can review. Um, so, Darren, when Usman Kawaja came on to bowl in the uh, I think it was in the in the fourth test uh, between India and Australia, when India were racking up whatever it was six hundred odd, I seem to recall. Yeah, um, was this the day? Australian cricket died? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not unheard of, right? Everybody gets a bowl when the score is approaching 650. Um, there doesn't seem to be much point bowling anybody anymore. I think they'd given up by then. Um, yeah. I, it felt to me that they'd really given up, you know, after they put that, after they crossed sort of 400, 500, just appeared they sort of really gave up the um, SCG, which is a pity. But, um, yeah. Did you like his bowling? Mm. It, it, it was pretty tidy, I thought, actually. <laughs> I think he's got some promise there, potentially, as an all-rounder. A T20 franchise. Um, I, I felt like Australia gave up in the first hour of the Test match once they uh, suddenly started only bowling bouncers. Mm. Yeah, it was a curious display from the Australians. I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure really where. I mean, after they were so competitive in, in Adelaide and Perth and then just uh, MCG, SCG, they seemed to really fall away in a heap, didn't they? Yeah. I think that's what Test Cricket does, though. And, you know, four Test Series. By, by the final Test, I think India were well on top and they were confident and they kind of knew it. So yeah. There's they, nowhere to hide. They had their measure, didn't they? Um, they did. Uh, obviously, history was made in... India winning its first series in Australia after, what is it, 80 years of trying? Yeah, almost 80. Yeah, so surprisingly comfortable in the end. Yeah, so if you look at, yeah, I mean, Kohli said it was bigger to him than the World Cup. And I mean, it's been as Everest, Mm -hmm. hasn't it? This is his third time touring Australia. um, And I think he he was quite emotional about it, wasn't he? I mean, he he said it was bigger than the World Cup to him. It meant so much to them. I guess the next frontier for them is South Africa. They've never won there, but they haven't been playing there as long. So 70 plus years, first series victories, we can't, we can't underscore how important that is for the team and how, how great that'll make them feel going forward. Um, I think they'll be quite fearless wherever they go now. So that's interesting. And they've got a, an amazing bowling attack led by Jasper Bumrah. They've got a great, you know, two or three spinning options as well um, as the other fast bowlers too. So it's a really complete team, great batting, a real gun of a keeper, we keep a batsman. So they've got all the assets there, haven't they? 
You know, Mayank Agarwal, they, Prithvi Shaw didn't play in this series, but he comes back, a great middle order, um, really a complete team at the moment, you'd have to say. Yeah, I think what happened is, without too much hype, I think it was a journey this year for India. Mm. Um, so they started in South Africa, got better in England, and improved even more in Australia. Um, so, you know, by the end of the year, I think they were firing on all cylinders. I, I guess the, I get, I guess the caveat is that Australia are an atrocious team at the moment. So, mm. you know, let's see how they hold up. I mean, it, it, it's great that they won, but let's let's see how they go into the new year. Well, this year, later on, when they do some tours, right? Sure. Yeah, Australia were poorer than I think everyone expected. I mean, yeah. having said all that, I think we all thought they'd provide a sterner test at home, mm. particularly the bowling attack, which was very disappointing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think one one bowler averaged under thirty, and that was, um, and that was Paddy Cummins. I think the rest of them struggled to, to pick up wickets. Uh, Nathan Lyon was very effective in the first two tests, but he really struggled in, in the MCG and in the SCG to pick up any wickets. Um, they really fell away. Yeah, they did, and obviously they had a lot of problems with their batting. Um, yeah, no centuries. Uh, meanwhile, India. Uh, Chetashwara Pujara, player of the series, looked like he could just keep on batting. In fact, he has continued batting. He's gone back to the Ranji Trophy quarterfinals. Yeah. Um, just to just to kind of hone his skills a bit more. Yeah. I mean, this this to me is a series where if you look at the stats, they tell the complete story. So, I mean, India had four batsmen above averaging about 40. Australia had zero. Um, you know, the Indian bowlers. Boomer averaged 17 for the series, 21 wickets. Incidentally, the same amount that Nathan Lyon did, but obviously at a much a much higher average. So, yeah, they really just dominated in all formats. It wasn't just the bowling or batting. I think I think it was both. And the fielding, they fielded better than Australia too. Australia put down a mess of catches. Uh, India held theirs. So they were completely outplayed. One thing, one thing I, as, a, as a neutral, I did catch some of the, the action. And one of the things that I noticed was the pitches going back to the bowling unit. I'd say that's one of the strongest suits that Australia had to play in this series. They've got three quality quicks. Mm. But the pitches looked pretty insipid and hadn't been prepared to help Australia get any sort of edge. Is that fair enough? To an extent, yes. But then... The Indian pace bowlers seem to yeah to succeed on these pitches, and I, we talked about this on the last show, particularly with the old ball. Mm. The Indian bowlers really out bowled yeah. their Australian counterparts. I mean, um, they basically couldn't find any reverse swing whatsoever. The Australian bowlers, and I think some of it is the hangover from Newlands. I think there's a paranoia about doing anything with the ball now, um, and I think also when when there was a fast bouncy wicket like there was in in Perth, they looked much stronger. So I'm still surprised they didn't play a test match in, you know, in Brisbane. Um, but they played them, you know, sort of Adelaide, Sydney and MCG, which was always going to suit India more potentially. But I must say the way they bowled was a surprise to everybody. Um, India really outbowled Australia by a long margin. Um, big question marks about Mitchell Stark, who looked insipid. In fact, his bowling average since Newlands is not very pretty. Is that just a coincidence, do you think, Darren? I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, really, it's really hard to say. Um, you know, there were some great moments. If you look at back to Adelaide, they had India 4 for 41 in the first innings. So they had a great start with a new ball. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's the bowling. I don't mind if they mix it up a bit. They seem to be wanting to play these three quicks whenever they're available. 
and not play them in any ODIs or T20 games, which to me is crazy. Um, Mitchell Stark is probably the best, one of the best T20 bowlers in the world, but he doesn't play or, or one-day cricket. So um, there are other seamers around the Australian that might, that might do better. And I think that when they go to England, they're going to have to have some seam bowlers there. Um, you know, the yeah. Peter Siddles, perhaps Tremaine, guys who can really nip it around, um, which, which is probably not these three, to be honest. I just wondered whether the lack of sandpaper was hampering his, his bowling figures. Maybe it is. We'll see. But I, but I think, you know, when we saw him in the T20 game, didn't we, against India, I think he played that one, didn't yeah. he? And he would bowl really well. And there's obviously no reverse swing. There's always no sandpaper in the first yeah. over. So I think, <laughs> I think he, I don't know, he seems to be down on confidence a bit. He sprayed the ball around. What, what I was impressed with India was their disciplined lines. Um, yeah. You know, Australia often were bowling both sides of the wicket, you know, down leg side, short outside off stump. They just weren't as disciplined, and I don't know what the reason is, whether they thought they could blast the Indians out, which they perhaps thought they, they could do, but then you've got to have a plan B, right? D- Darren, quick one about uh, Stark. An uh, Australian friend of mine was telling me that there seems to be some sort of personal enmity between Shane Warne and Mitchell Stark. He seems to be climbing into Stark for a long time now. Mm. What's going on with that? Is it a confidence issue with Stark? Is he listening to Warne, or is that just all hot air? Well, I think he had a go at, go at Stark a few years ago uh, for not puffing his chest out and getting more fiery, right? And then when, when Shane Warne said that, I think he started doing it. But I, I don't know. He just seems to be a bit off to me. Uh, Hazelwood... Was, was off a bit too. He just wasn't doing anything with the ball. He, he was a bit, you know, Hazelwood has noticed being very metronomic and he, he wasn't really. He was spraying the ball around quite a bit. So I don't even know what's going on. I think it's it's a whole, I think we can't underestimate how, how, how low this team is at the moment. I think they're very low on confidence. They don't have a set team. There's, there must be a lot of paranoia in the team. There's people coming and going, chopping and changing, as Ravi Shastri would say. Um, so I, I think there's not a lot of confidence going around, and I guess you've got to give Langer a bit of time because he has really inherited a real mess here. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, for India, lots of good things, really. I mean, as you mentioned, the bowling was disciplined. I think right. it improved through the year. Um, they got their selections right for the most part yeah. in, uh, in the, on the Australian tour, apart from in Perth. Um, so I think that was a real benefit for them. Um, they unearthed a new opener, Mayanka Agarwal, as you mentioned, and, and you know he's only played two tests, but um, very impressive. He looks like he could be there for a long time. Obviously, Rishabh Pant, um, batting, keeping, and babysitting um, looks like a you know a, 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 tr- a triple threat, as they like to say. Uh, Kohli didn't need to average more than forty, uh, which I think is very welcome. For Indian cricket, uh, and all of the bowlers pretty much bowled well at one point or another. Yeah. Um, so, really, a very complete performance um, by India. Of course, now the questions from some spectacular press conferences after the match. Ravi Shastri, when asked whether uh, he'd like to thank the Indian teams that came before him, uh, coming out with the immortal quote. Uh, what is it? Past is history, future is mystery. Yes, that's right. <laughs> right. Um, little churlish, I thought. Um, Shastri was in no hurry to give any credit to the teams that came before. Uh, but, you know, it was interesting um, because I think he had a point um, in that he said, you know, that this team has no demigods 
has no seniors, junior divide. This is the kind of thing I think that Shastri really fought against mm. because he was never um, the most talented player. Yeah. Um, he was never one of these demigods. And I think he's always disliked that culture around Indian cricket. He's disliked that senior-junior divide. Um, and I think this team has addressed those issues. Yeah. Uh, which is nice to see. Yeah. But having said all that, I think he was a little bit churlish. Yeah. Uh, although perhaps you can run us through the, the most spectacular passage of his press conference, Darren. Well, I think, I think the reality was it, it, the press conference was a time for the captain to shine. And for some reason, Ravi Shastri inserted himself at the press conference, which is very unusual. Um, you know, it was Virat's third, third try in Australia. Not as captain, of course. Yeah. But, but I mean, the, yeah. the, the honour should have gone to him. It should have been his moment to be in the spotlight. Mm. And Ravi kept chiming in with these ridiculous quotes, like the past is history, the future is a mystery. Um, they will, you know, he said that th these boys will jump over a cliff to win a match, which sounds yeah. <laughs> really stupid. Um, I don't know how you win a match yeah. by jumping over a cliff. But the funniest quote he said, picking up from his firing blanks from different hemispheres last time, he oh, said, God. you know, the people firing blanks, by the time the the blanks reaches here, it's blown away like a tracer bullet, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. And yeah. then he said, but lead, lead is something very serious. And that's what we fired yeah. during this series. We fired lead. <laughs> and poor Rat Coley was holding his cap down, trying not to laugh. Because um, when he delivered it, I think it would have been good if he delivered it with a smile, but he delivered it in this really yeah. deadpan, serious kind of manner. Um, it was just really silly. Yeah, it was. It was so he silly. Kind of aggressive, Shastri. Yeah, he was um, pumped up. <laughs> some suggestions he was on his third round by that point. <laughs> he looked like he'd done something. Um, yeah, rough. I mean, he was. He was very aggressive. I, I don't know. It didn't. Didn't you're right. It didn't play so well. I thought Virat was very heartfelt. Yeah. Um, in his comments. Yeah, he was. And I think he's right. I think it is bigger than the '83 World Cup. But equally, I don't think anyone should forget the kind of Indian teams that have come before, particularly sure. you know, the teams that have drawn a series in India. And, um, indeed, some of the teams Shastri himself played on. So, but I will, I will remind you, I will remind you, Arun, that I did actually call a two-one series win to India. Uh, you did, and that yeah. came true for the first time. Yeah, you were right. Yeah, I'm in form. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I said it would be two-two. Um, Toby, you didn't make a prediction, but you can... I didn't, but what it's worth saying, just as, again as an outsider, just what a fantastic captain um, India have. Uh, looking at the way he goes about the game, he's so excited about the game still. Um, he's the hyper-competitive guy, and just watching this test match unfold, yeah. you know, his batting was supreme, his fielding was innovative, geeing people up at the right time. It was just, you're lucky to have him, basically. I actually think his captaincy's really improved. I don't know what you think, Darren, but there were some some moments in the last couple of tests where he was putting fielders in the right place at exactly the right moment. Yeah, all his plans were coming off. Yeah, oh, um, I, th I think so. You can, I, I think you can really see that he's learning. I think if you look at his captaincy mm. arc, he, he, you know, he's a fiery character. He gets g'd up and all that sort of stuff, which is great. But he, be, but he seems to be developing over the series more tactical nous. I think what he's guilty of sometimes is just moving fielders where the ball goes, 
which which is not a very good captaincy strategy, right? Because you're always chasing the ball. So you've got to make your bowlers bowl yeah. to a certain field, right? And have a strategy against a, a batsman. So, you know, they, M- Manus Labashane was a good one, right? Where they put the they put the guy in at short mm. mid-wicket, hit the ball straight there. So Shami just kept bowling, you know, moving the ball into middle and leg and, and trying to make the batsman mm. hit in an elevated manner in that area. So there were some good plans worked out, I think. He developed, he's developed a bit more patience, mm-hmm. I think, because he plays all formats. Yeah. It can be sometimes hard to adjust because in T20 and one day you must you know adapt very quickly. Whereas in Test match you really got to wear the batsman down sometimes. Um, so I think he's he's definitely improved there. Yeah, I think he has improved. I think the only shame really for India is that honestly they couldn't get the three one because of the weather. Yeah, um, I think you know they, they they had a pretty good chance. Of, no, they think they totally of, did of forcing that. Yeah. So from one press conference to another, what did you make of? Uh, Justin Langer apologizing for being grumpy and then blaming careless whispers yeah, for Glenn I, Maxwell's curious omission. I don't know if you've seen his press conference the other night after game two. I just love his demeanor, how he's kind of smiling before every question. He just looks so mm. happy and so sort of jovial. And I, I, I think... He looks a bit mad. I think that belies what's going on inside him. I think he's actually quite a sensitive and kind of, um, you know emotional guy but he, he sometimes on the outside he comes across as a sort of happy-go-lucky guy I, I think it got to him the other night I think this whole you know he's actually a selector right there's a lot of chopping and changing going on a lot of mixed signals going out about who should be in the team they talk about runs being scored people score runs don't get in the team they bring in people who have no track record necessarily and put them in the team and I think one of the journalists probed him around you know Glenn Maxwell um Mm. And I think he sort of really took up took issue with the journalist. But what I would say is that he, he kind of thought about it, that he came back to, to the journalist and said, look, you know, I'm sorry for getting grumpy. Um, you know, I just think there's a lot of rumors going around. So I think he, he he's obviously feeling the strain a little bit. And yeah. there could be personality clashes in that team with some of the players. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, I think it's he's feeling the pinch for sure. Yeah, it's it's really easy to criticize selectors and I've often thought you know we we'd love to we love to sit here and say oh we could do it better but I've, I've, I've often thought it's a really hard job and we can't do it better yeah. but having watched the Australian selectors now over the last year I'm not convinced they really know what they're doing it does seem like they are moving from one decision to another so quickly that mm. they're just trying to deflect public criticism rather than thinking about what the best decisions are yeah I think you're right. And, and this, they're sort of not sticking with anybody that, that's been, you know, if somebody fails a couple of times, they drop them. Um, they bring people in and out all the time. It, it can't be a very good harmonious team environment when you're not sure if you're going to be playing the next day. You know, there was talk about before this India series about, you know, he wants people to, to get 30s. Well, he got them. I think most of the top five or top six Australian batsmen averaged about 30, um, 28, which is right. not which is not really going to win you many test matches if your bowlers are not bowling over the knocking out the opposition quickly. So, I don't know. I like what they've done with the Sri Lanka series. To be honest, they've brought back Matt mm-hmm. Renshaw. They've brought back Will Pukowski, who's like a 19 year old mm-hmm. prodigy who's been held by Ricky Ponting since he was 12 years old. Um, people who can yeah. bat long and who've scored a lot of runs. People who scored double hundreds. That's what you need to get into the team. Not guys who score a 50 or a 40. That's they're not going to make it in test cricket more than likely. Yeah, I mean, still no place though for Glenn Maxwell, who who kind of remains the sort of poster child for 
um, some of these curious decisions, I think, you know, after he was... I, I think the Matthew Wade thing was more ridiculous too, though. You know, Matthew Wade is the leading run scorer this season in Sheffield Shield cricket. I think he's averaging 65. And Trevor Hones, the chairman of Selectors, said the reason he's not in the team because he doesn't bat high enough. What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> he bats at number six. So mm-hmm. he bats in the top six. He's averaging 60. And then the chairman of Selectors says, oh, if he'd batted higher, he'd be considered. What? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It beggars belief. And I think it also shows that these selectors, as you mentioned earlier, kind of alluded to, that they're part-time selectors, right? They're not actually full-time mm-hmm. selectors. They're not paid very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't right. know all of the players. Um, yeah, I think a shake-up is needed. And I think Kevin Johnson, the, the, C- the CEO, has hinted that there's going to be a big shake-up in how they select, um, make, make team selections too. So let's see what happens. But it's a, it's a real mess at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it really is. A lot of names, right? I mean, I think Manus Labuschagne coming in was a real eyebrow raiser, um, given the people he, he kind of leapfrogged in the queue. And putting him at number three. I mean, he, it's just, mm. that's one of the most important positions in the, in the batting order, right? I mean, a guy averages his 28 or 30, um, you're putting him at number three. I just, yeah, I, it, yeah. I think I, I'd never heard of this chap before and I'm glad you've able to pronounce his surname. I thought it might be lasagna or something when I first saw it. So thank you for Actually, that. Actually, it's Lavoskagni. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, very good. Lovely But accent. they say Lavoshine. That's what he says. Lavoshine. Lavoshine. Bowling Lavoshine. Yeah, Lavoshine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I saw him bowl and, you know, was, I, I saw maybe, what, three full tosses per over. You know, it was, it's difficult for him to come into that position bowling leg spin. Yeah. Um, as a number three, and that sends a signal to the rest of the hopefuls in the yeah. Australian system. You know, this this guy's being punted up to three, and is probably not going to get another game for a while. Very skittish all round. It's just remarkable, honestly, because in ten years, Australian cricket has gone from this assembly line of world class talent, yeah. this fiercely contested domestic competition that threw up players who could comfortably get into any World Eleven, yeah. to the situation we're in now. And all of the reviews in the world don't seem to be able to fix it. And if you look what's going on now, I mean, they've, they've really downgraded the focus on Sheffield Shield cricket. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems to be being a sideline. If you look at what's happening now uh, with the Big Bash, yeah, it's been extended correct. for two months. So they play a few yeah. games of Sheffield Shield first-class cricket in the beginning of the year. Sorry, in the beginning of the season, so October, November. They stop for two months for Big Bash. They go back to it again. So nobody has any red ball form at the moment. Um, it just, it, yeah, it, the whole, I think the whole system needs an overhaul, and I think they're going to do that. All right. So f- do we want to talk about the, uh, the one-day matches between India and Australia tied at one all? Um, no. I'm not sure there's <laughs> a huge amount to say here, except that MS Dhoni appears to be doing the bare minimum to book his flight to the World Cup. You're so harsh, aren't you? I'm sorry. He, did you see how laborious he was? Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't watch the game. But look, yeah, he was... Yeah. He was laborious in the first game. I thought Australia did pretty well in the first mm-hmm. game and the second game, to be honest. I think they did okay. Um, I, I lo- yeah. This this is a bit much better looking team than I've seen for a while. I think having batsmen all the way to seven, I think they're a bit light on all-rounders, but I don't mind this team with the addition perhaps of Smith or and Warner. I, I think it's the makings of a reasonable team. Mm-hmm. And the bowlers did, did okay as well, I thought. So, so some good signs there for Australia, I'd say. I mean, there was a real danger they might get beaten, you know, 3-0, but they've, they've been competitive in both games. It's one all going into the final game of the MCG. Yeah, I think India's really underperformed, actually. I think they should be 
winning these matches more comfortably. Big question marks for India around their middle order. It just doesn't look good enough um, once you get past the first three. Uh, I mean, the bowling, I think, will be fine once Boomer is back. But that middle order is a real concern. Yeah, I'm just surprised that there's no spot for Rishabh Pant. I mean, you could give Donny the glove still, but put, make, you know, play him as a batsman. I mean, he's, he's such a great T20 cricketer. I mean, get him into this. I mean, right, you and can one have, day balls. Sure, exactly. But then I think the problem is Donny, he can only really bat at four now because he can't come in and provide the fireworks. Um, and then it's almost like they're building the whole lineup around him. <laughs> and he's struggling a bit. And, you know, I say that with no malice or, or you know, it's, sure. It's, it's not a nice thing to say about him. He's done so much for Indian cricket. Yeah, he has. Um, but I don't think he should be on that plane to England for the World Cup. Yeah, he holds a lot. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned that. I just, I, you know, I love a stat, gentlemen. Mm. And uh, it's worth pointing out that, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent. And this, this guy now has twice as many ODI hundreds to his name as the Australians' one day team have managed between them. That's 3,900 versus 20. So whilst he might be struggling at the moment, yeah. I think you've got to have someone like that on your side with through just through experience at least, right? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like there are better options. I think his strike rate over the last two years tells a story, tells a, a more interesting statistical story perhaps. Um, and, you know, I don't think he's scored 100 in, in a while now. Uh, anyway, we will see what happens. Um Let's move over to the West Indies, Toby, where perhaps you can fill us in on England's latest tour. Yeah, it's going to be a busy summer uh, for England. And the reason I sort of kick off talking about the summer is because this West Indies tour really is going to answer a lot of questions for the new director of cricket in England, Ashley Giles, a.k.a. Wheelie Bin. And the king of there's Spain. a lot of cricket coming. Yeah, king of Spain, bless him. Uh, we've obviously got an Ashes uh, tour coming up in, in the UK, plus a World Cup. That's the first time, I think, since the 70s there's been a World Cup and an Ashes tour at the same time in England. So this tour is quite important, really, to nail down some of those places. So they've had a game already, which is the usual um, sort of West Indies President's Eleven, I think, which was a bit of a batting practice jobby. But I think some of the interesting things that are on the agenda for, for Giles probably involved a young Bayesian, Joffre Archer, who we've spoken about before on this on this show. A 23-year-old currently in Hobart, um, but people are really saying he's potentially a bolter for the World Cup squad mm. um, because he will soon get his residency qualification in the end of March of this year. So that's one to watch, I think, for the World Cup. In terms of the tour itself, the test squad that was named is pretty settled based on the successful Sri Lanka tour. So Rory Burns is looking to nail down his opening spot as opener. You've got Moeen, Joe Root and Anderson and Broad will pick up their new ball partnership once again. They were rested, if you remember, over the Sri Lankan games. And then the ODI squad, while they're out there, uh, looks pretty settled as well. Uh, ben Stokes is in there. David Willey has come in. Uh, Jason Roy and Joss Butler are kind of the kingpins throughout that. So relatively settled. But one of the big pitfalls that England have fallen into in the past in the West Indies, I think back in 2015, the ECB chief Colin Graves actually called the West Indies mediocre before England played any games, which I think really rather riled Alistair Cook at the time. And it ended 1-1. So it was a big error. So hopefully no more brick bats from the EB, uh, ECB blazers before we get going. It wasn't 2015 where England were bowled out for not very much. Was that in 
Was that in 2015 or was that an earlier tour? I mean, there have been several, but I think... There have been many collapses. Yeah, there was a recent <laughs> one where they were bowled out for under 50 or 60, I seem to recall. Yeah. In, um, in the West Indies. Uh, Toby, I hear Ashley Giles has banned football. I didn't know that, actually. That's interesting. Because of potential injuries on the outfield. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not keen on football in the warm-up. Um, I think Johnny Burstow got an injury. And um, I don't know, maybe he'll ban Christmas next. I don't know what... what, what it's, it's, it seems crazy to me. I think for next time we should do a little survey about which international teams do allow football as part of the warm-up and which don't. So right. who plays what? on the warm-up. So what, what do the Aussies do? Do they chuck a rugby ball around or, or Aussie ro- <laughs> what goes on? Yeah, the fun police. The king of Spain. <laughs> ruining all the fun. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Party people. He's here to win. Yeah. He's here to win. That's all he's interested in. All right, cool. Um, so, Darren. Yes. Did you want us to move into our regular sections, go through Muppet of the Week and Quote of the Week? I think we should. I think I think for Muppet of the Week, um, I think it's quite a quite a clear cut case for me anyway. We did call out. I did call out earlier before the story broke. We talked about this Hardik Pandya and K. L. Rahul interview on what is it called with Quran, right? Coffee, coffee with coffee, Karan. Coffee with Karan. Um, yeah. And so it was. K-R-K. Yeah, it was pretty pretty kind of disgusting. We talked about it before, didn't they? They were they were very mm. misogynistic. Um, uh, yeah. Really, really particularly Hardik. Yeah, Hardik made himself look like an absolute muppet, talking about people he'd slept with and how many he slept with, and this and that, and carrying on like a real pork chop. So, I mean, I think, I think he said he was sorry for what he said that it was men in jest, but I think that speaks to a bigger point that these guys are not very well connected with what's going on in society. And I think it's probably a bigger India story too. I imagine um, this kind of masculinity, it's it's, it's masculinity huge. kind of yeah, thing. Um, so hopefully some good mm. comes out of it, right? It shines a light on on the subject, but really it was quite it was quite amazing. And I actually picked it up, I picked up the preview of it um, yeah, before right. it came out. So we yeah. can probably say the ultras actually broke the story. Um, I thought it was mm. going to be big, and they've still looking at their bands, aren't they? They haven't been banned yet, or have they got two matches? Mm-hmm. That was a recommendation, right? No, it's 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 indefinite. I mean, there's a lot going on with this story now. It's um, it's become a huge story in India, by the way. It's huge backlash against um, this appearance, particularly Hardik Pandya, misogynistic, also racist. Yes, um, you know some of the things he said, and like you like you said, it, it shines a light on you know some of the problems I think with the kind of patriarchal culture you have in mm. India. Um, but what's happened now is these two players, Hardik Bandia and KL Rahul, have, have become pawns in the power struggle in the BCCI. Ah. Um, so you have one, one of the key administrators wants to ban them for two matches, another one saying that would be a cover-up, there needs to be a longer ban. So no one's really sure what's going to happen. Um, and I think it's in danger of becoming a little bit ridiculous mm. um, because you know clearly they, they have... You know what? What they did was unacceptable, particularly Pandya. I mean, Rahul, um, his his offence was, I think, much much lesser than than Pandya. Yeah. Probably he should agree. He should receive a, a lesser sanction. Yeah. But it seems like they're just being suspended indefinitely. There's some talk they might miss the World Cup. Wow, that's a long uh, that's a long suspension. Yeah, it's it's it is getting a little bit out of hand. 
Yeah. Harbhajan not happy either, by the way, this week, just saying he will not travel with these two guys in the bus. If my daughter or wife are travelling in the team bus with me, how would they feel? You're looking at women in only one angle, and that is not right, says Mr. Harbhajan Singh. So it's causing ripples amongst the closer wow. sort of playing fraternity too. Baji. Harbhajan was such a champion of women's rights. That's right. Baji. Um, yeah, the interesting thing, I think, just to remember here is that the players here are not victims. The The cricket team is not victims. You know, Kohli's come out and said it's unacceptable, but a lot of people are saying this is really tough for the Indian team, but they're not the victims here. The victims here are, are the women in India who have to deal with this kind of behavior every right. day. exactly. And that's what has to be addressed through this. Yeah, I agree. You know, and so I think Kohli missed an opportunity. Um, someone like him, the most influential person in the country, if he'd come out and said clearly what these guys did was wrong, Right. Um, but he didn't. He just said, oh, we don't agree with them. They don't reflect the team. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't keen to condemn it. And there was a lot of focus on the com- the actual comments, right, versus where the comments came from, which to me is the biggest con- right, bigger exactly. concern, right? Yeah, and there's, there's an opportunity here to, to maybe, you know, give give the players a bit more training and context and life skills, which they don't appear to be getting. Mm. I don't know who's advising Hardik Pandya. I mean, clearly, whoever is would have known that this kind of thing was going to happen. I mean, this is predictable on this TV show. Sure. So that's remarkable on its own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's become a, a really big issue. Um, so I wonder, I wonder what will happen. Poorly, poorly media trained, if at all. Yeah. Well, I guess we want our stars to be authentic. Well, it doesn't mean you can't, if, with good media training, you can't be authentic, right? But, but the, I mean, right. I, I just think he probably went on there very naive you know, was answering the questions he was asked and just probably did, didn't even think about it. And obviously that shows that he has these deep-seated beliefs, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not a good look. Muppet of the week for mine. Yep, beggar's belief. Um, quote of the week, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm still minded to go with uh, one of Shastri's gems, unless you've got anything better in your locker. No, I thought the whole firing blanks part two was good. The tracer bullet blown away. I think you can't go past that. But, I don't think you can. And, and sort of Justin Langer's, uh, outburst reminded me a little bit of Ravi Shastri mm. or or Virat Kohli for that match, yeah. taking on the journalist. So maybe that's rubbing off on him as yeah. well. <laughs> well, I mean, it takes a strong man to not be influenced by Ravi Shastri. <laughs> it does. The force is strong with that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think all of us aspire on some level to be like, to, 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 to be in the Shastri-verse. All right, let's move over to South Africa where Pakistan were... Whitewashed by the South African team, 3-0. Well and truly. Mickey Arthur blamed the pitchers. Did he have any justification? Well, I think the pitchers are always the same in South Africa, aren't they? They're always kind of result wickets. Mm. Um, pretty good pretty for fast spicy. bowling. Spicy, yes. So I don't know what he was what he's complaining about. They were, they were out, comprehensively <laughs> outplayed. I mean, they were thrashed, really. Yeah. They were never in any of those yeah. test matches that I saw. I, I, I turned it on late at night, had a bit of a squiz, and I was following it on Quick info, but I didn't really see any session really where they were in it. Yeah, I think it was pretty comfortable um, for South Africa. Good performances from Duan Olivier. Yeah. If you'll excuse the pun. Um, and Aidan Markram actually had a pretty good series as well. Yeah, he did. He looks good, doesn't he? I, I think some of the bowlers for Pakistan looked okay. Mohammad Amir picked up 12 wickets. Uh, Shaheen Afridi looks quite yeah. good. Picked up, picked up nine for the yep. series, so he looked okay. Yeah, the, the, most of the batters didn't really, really turn up to the plate, did they? Um, 
Yeah, they were comprehensively beaten. I'm not sure what else we can say there. Pakistan have got a dreary record when it comes to playing the kind of the Southern Hemisphere big two, South Africa and Australia. Like they got battered 1999, 3-0 in Australia, 2-0 South Africa, 2002. I mean, it goes on 2002, 4, 6, 9, 12, 16, and this year, all two or three nil reverses bar one. So they don't travel well. No, they don't actually. It's it's good good stats there because um, they used to travel very well in yeah. the 80s and 90s. That's right. Uh, Imran Khan, Waka Yunus. Yeah, they don't have those guys anymore, do they? Mm. No, tough tough times for the uh, Pakistan team. All right, any other business? I think we're pretty good. I mean, the BBL is going on now in Australia, obviously. It seems to go on forever. <laughs> Some of the England players are doing quite well, I must say. Um, yeah. Our friend T. Curran. Um, he's doing, he's playing oh. for the Sydney Sixers and doing very well up there, right up the top with the bowling. But Rashid Khan again is dominating the bowling stats as well, as you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, and Darcy Short, Chris Lynn again dominating the batting. But Joss Butler did very well uh, for Sydney as well. And he's obviously he's back now in the Caribbean, but he, he did pretty well. But it just seems that the big bash this year, you know, the, the, you know, attendance is down, viewership is up slightly. Yeah, it's just too long. We've talked about it before, and, and it's it's ridiculous, right? The, none of the major players play in the BBL for most of the series, so you don't get Smith, Warner. Well, you don't any of these anyways, but you don't get Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, Kawaja, Marsh. None of them play because they're off they're doing international duties, which is just stupid, right? So um, we don't get to see the best players uh, in Australia playing in the BBL, which is just kind of silly. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll be back with the next Cricket Ultras next week.